Good evening, everybody. You are listening to a Rattledge and Broadcasting Premier Podcast, The Four Kings of Boxing. We are on Chapter 10, Leonard versus Hearns 2. Two. I am your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And joining me tonight is the punchy pugilist, Mr. Money's in the rematch, Pat Mullen. How do you do, sir? I guess I could use uh, know, some, some cupcakes or some peanut butter cups about now. You know what that's about. <laughs> All right. Pat, put your card away. Um, you know, just uh, confidentially, I've never uh, I've never bought plants uh, before, but I recently uh, took somebody through a drive-thru to get them. So my, my first plant buying experience was in a drive-thru, which is pretty fun. What a world we live in. I was going to say, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Normally, normally you buy it at the handball court, right? You know, you go, you go see your friend Tommy at the handball court and you do a little, uh, and you walk away with some plants. Yeah, you do that. You got, uh, you know, the jacks and, uh, you know. <laughs> anyway. So, yes. All right, Pat. So we are we are racing towards the end of this series here. This is the second to last chapter. Sugar Ray Leonard versus Tommy Hearns 2. Uh, according to the wiki here, in January of 1989, promoter Bob Arum announced the long-awaited rematch between reigning WBC super middleweight monarch Sugar Ray Leonard and reigning WBO super middleweight champion Tommy Hearns. They had previously met eight years prior with Leonard rallying in the 14th round to defeat Hearns by technical knockout after trailing in all three of the judges' scorecards, which we talked about in a previous podcast. Uh, when we last left our heroes, we had just been talking about Marvin Hagler versus Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, where Hagler was going to kill Leonard, Sugar Ray Leonard and anyone that got in his way. Uh, so why did Bob Arum decide... After the after Sugar Ray Leonard versus Marvin Hagler, how did we get to Sugar Ray Leonard versus Tommy Hearns? So you got to remember, after the Hagler fight, Leonard initially retires again mm -hmm. with, without a solid plan to continue to fight. Um, and at that point, you know, there's no Hagler rematch happening because Marvin's done and disgusted and he's out. Leonard's retiring because right. he doesn't want to rematch with Marvin. He doesn't see any other mountains to climb. And he's still having issues with his eyes, isn't he? No, that's pretty much all gone. Um, okay, he's he, he's pretty healthy at this point. He's just getting yeah. older. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, Duran is is you know muddling his feet in the water, performing not so great against not so great opposition, and not looking mm -hmm. like you know the guy he used to be. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have Tommy, who's the only kind of really active guy still there and still fighting, kind of the next generation of guys who are looking to knock his generation off the hill. Mm -hmm. And so he's not getting the Hagler rematch because Ray stepped in and took that. And then Marvin said, you know, I'm done. He's not getting a rematch with Ray because Ray's retired again. So Tommy's like, well, I can't get this guy back. I can't get this guy back. What else can I do? Tommy's going to look to make history and become the first four division world champion. If you remember, he was a welterweight champion when we first started covering him. He moved up and mm -hmm. won the junior middleweight title. And in our last show, we talked about how he actually moved up to light heavyweight and knocked out Dennis Andres to win that title. So what Tommy does is Tommy's going to move back down to middleweight, and he's going to fight for the WBC title that Leonard vacated when he retired after his win over Hagler. 
he gets matched up with a guy we've covered on this show before, Juan Roldan, who had given Marvin a very tough scrap and is actually the only guy credited with an official knockdown of Marvin Hagler, you know, by hook or by crook. Um, but those two fight each other for the vacant middleweight title. And it's only four rounds, but they rock each other several times back and forth in a really fun fight before Tommy kind of finally just punches the resistance out of Roldan in the fourth and they stop it. And Tommy becomes the first man in history to become a four-division world champion, which is awesome. Um, suffice to say, Leonard thinks he's having a little bit of his thunder stolen because that's something he never considered doing. And then Tommy does it, and he's being hailed as this. And he goes, I've got to come up with something to beat Tommy without having to fight Tommy again, mind you. Right. So what Ray does is Ray looks at what's out there, and – he hasn't won a light heavyweight title. He's won the other three titles, but he hasn't won a light heavyweight title. But those light heavyweights are big guys, man. I don't know. Well, fortunately for Ray, two of the three recognized sanctioning bodies at the time, the WBA and IBF, had created a 168-pound super middleweight division. And it was recognized in those two bodies, um, each of the – Sanctioners had already crowned champions in those divisions, um, but the WBC hadn't. So Leonard, who had retired as a WBC champion, petitioned Jose Suleiman, the president of the WBC, to arrange a fight for him for the super middleweight title, with the premise of it being that Ray would fight their light heavyweight champion, Donnie Lalonde of Canada, at the new weight division with both titles on the line. Okay. Which he so, does on November 7th, 1988 at Caesars Palace. Right. So there's a lot of strange circumstances around this fight. Uh, first, it's Ray's first fight without Angelo Dundee. Because following the Hagler fight, uh, Ray, Angelo had been working without a contract for that fight and for the Kevin Howard comeback fight in 1984. Now, when you work with a contract and you're the trainer, it's usually a 10% part of the purse that you get. Well, when Ray got, you know, $11 million, Angelo wasn't expecting to get, you know, $1.1 million from that fight. But what his actual payday amounted to was 1% of that purse, which he found was insulting. Mm -hmm. So he called Mike trainer, raised, you know, manager and said, Mike, this is unacceptable going forward. I'm going to need a contract. Trainer said, let me call you back. Never did. And that was the end of Ray Leonard and Angelo Dundee. And uh, wow. Angelo's always said that he doesn't consider Ray at fault for it. But obviously it's a decision he didn't disagree with because he went ahead on in his career without Angelo with, in this fight, Jenks Morton taking over as the head trainer for him. So uh, just to go over that fight real quick, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and Donnie Lalonde uh, ended in a TKO in the ninth round with Sugar Ray winning the WBC light heavyweight and the inaugural WBC super middleweight title. Uh, and that's what gets him six, seven months later, June 12th, 1989 to the Tommy Hearns fight, the war as it's called. Meanwhile, yeah. um, Tommy Hearns after the loss to Marvin Hagler in the greatest fight in the history of boxing, three rounds of beautiful violence just goes on a killer winning streak. He KOs James Schuler in the first round, March 10th, 1986. Um, he then, uh, a few months later, June 23rd of 1986, he TKOs Mark Metal in the eighth round. He wins a decision in October 
he's very busy here in 1986 yeah. at the Kobo Arena in Detroit. Uh, he gets a unanimous decision over Doug DeWitt. And then he wins the WBC middleweight title against Juan Rodan. Now, tell me about that, Pat. So, so like we said, that was just – it was Tommy's attempt to grab that history first when he got that middleweight mm -hmm. title. And you had that great four-round back-and-forth war between two guys who could just punch like nobody's business. And the win gets Tommy back, you know, into the title hunt. And not, not the title hunt, but in the picture because he's now a champion. And – Again, of those of the four kings, Tommy's the guy who's still seen as he's the live one still fighting this next generation of opposition, almost kind of the same way Duran was to this class of guys. Because, you know, you look at Leonard, Leonard's fighting Hagler. You look at, you know, Duran, he's kind of fighting very, you know, B and C level fighters at best um, with what he's doing there. Hearns is still out there, you know, facing world title caliber guys each fight. And, you know, Roldan capped it off by getting that title win. So at that time when that's happening, and we talked about Ray looking to fight Donnie Lalonde, the idea that that fight's announced to Tommy says, I might be able to get Ray in the ring again. And Can we so, talk a little bit about Iran Park? Okay, sorry, when you're, when you're ready. I thought you were done. Yeah, no, no, no. You're, uh, so that's mainly the thing is Tommy's thinking in his head, how do I get Ray back in the ring? Okay. But we like anybody else, he's human and he can have speed bump. Right. We need to talk about Iran Barkley, the bane of Tommy Hearn's existence. Okay. So um, his next fight is against Iran Barkley, and he loses the WBC middleweight title. And he's gonna Boy, take a he. second and he's gonna take a second crack at him and lose again. I, I was looking, Iran Barkley, um, he's got quite a record in his own right. He's never fought any of the other four uh the three of the other four kings, but he certainly gave poor Tommy Hearns the business here. Who is Iran he'll fight, Barkley? He'll fight another one of the kings a little bit later that we'll cover on the next episode. Uh, but yeah, I ran mm. the Blade Barkley from the South Bronx, man. He ran, uh, he was a big running member of the Black Spade Street Gang and actually got brought to a boxing gym by his sister to learn how to fight to stay out of trouble. And he had a pretty good, you know, amateur run, nothing special. Um, but he looked like a real good pro prospect because of how he fought. Because this dude lived up to his name. He was a blade. He was coming to slice and dice you with every punch he threw. Mm -hmm. And he was one of those guys who always had a huge upside, but just never had the discipline to always apply it. Right. And it's, it's you know, it resulted in a really crowd-friendly style of fighting for a long time, but not necessarily one that always brought him to his best. So that's Tommy Hearns, uh, his march. He, he'll get a get-well fight, of which he'll win a um, decision uh, against James Kitchen, and, and that is November that, 4th in 1988. And that's Tommy attempting to beat Ray to the punch of becoming a five-division world champion because the fight with James Kitchen is now going to be for the newly created WBO super middleweight title. Uh the WBO is one of the major recognized sanctioning bodies today. In 1988, it was not. It was just an offshoot of WBA officials who didn't agree with what was going on in that organization, splintered and formed their own. But they didn't gain recognition as a world a true world championship until around the mid-2000s, uh, early to mid-2000s, give or take, um, which is inherently silly in itself because why are we acting like that title is not as – legitimate as the others and it you know 
Um, it took a lot of British fighters in the 90s with long WBO title reigns to really get it recognized. Um, guys like Joe Calzaghe, Prince Nassim Ahmed, um, you know. But, you know, with, with the new title, it was going to take place three days before Leonard fought Lalonde so that Hearns would have a fringe claim to say, oh, I got five world titles in five divisions before Ray did. Um, and it's kind of funny, too, because honestly, at this point in time, like, yes, Lalonde is a world champion. But Kinchin is a top 10 fighter as well, and, and, and he's fought from middleweight to light heavyweight. He's settling at super middleweight. James the Heat Kinchin was no joke, and this was seen as a dangerous fight for Tommy. And if the Barkley fight made him look vulnerable, this fight didn't do a whole lot more because Tommy gets badly hurt in this fight mm-hmm. on a couple of occasions and broke out, I think it was uh, uh, Eddie Scott, not Eddie Schuyler, but maybe Mike O'Shea of the Detroit Free Press who said that Hearns invented a new survival tactic in this fight called the Motown death grip. Because <laughs> how hard he held Kinchin when he to clinch when he was hurt. And after the fight, Hearns said, yeah, I held on to him like he was my woman. <laughs> <laughs> but but Tommy barely hangs on to win that decision. A fight that really could have gone either way. Yeah, it was and, a majority uh, decision, which means he, he, you know, he, you're right. He barely won the thing. Yeah, and, and a legitimate one at that. Like, because again, you can watch this fight, and there's a very strong case for either guy to win by one, maybe two points, but it's that close. Right. And uh, the thing is now, okay, Tommy has a bargaining chip because now he's got a belt. So if Ray gets past Lalonde, now we both have belts in this division. Doesn't it just make sense to fight? Right. Interesting and, note about this fight. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, on the day of the fight, Hearns' younger brother Henry was arrested for the well, shooting uh, of his girlfriend. Go ahead. That's when we get to the the fight. Fight. We're still at Leonard okay. Lalonde. Okay. So, so, and if there's any last convincing that Leonard understands, I need a marquee opponent with me to really make money. Leonard Lalonde proved that fact to him because mm-hmm. they went into this fight without a major promoter of record. No Don King. No Bob Arum. Nothing. It was Ray trying to be his own promoter and conglomerate. And so what they did was they carried this fight on pay-per-view, but instead of, since it wasn't going through a major promoter, like a Bob Arum, a Don King, they weren't distributing it through HBO or through Showtime. So they went through a third party, which at this point is the biggest known pay-per-view success in the United States, Vincent K. McMahon. Oh, interesting. And so Vince is the official pay-per-view distributor of this event and technically Mm -hmm. one of the promoters of record. Now, they were holding it at Caesar's Palace. It's Ray trying to make history. But things don't really go as planned. Um, the, t- the advanced sales are less than good. Um, a lot of it centering around, one, that people don't know who Donnie Lalonde is. Two, that the people who do know him don't think very highly of him. Mm-hmm. And three, they're kind of getting a little bit tired of the, oh, this is Ray's last fight. Oh, this is Ray's last fight. Oh, this is Ray's last fight. Like he's the Rolling Stones. Um, you know, every every tour is the farewell tour. Um, so they fight. Ray wins, but he struggles. He gets knocked down again in the fourth round by an awkward Lalonde right hand. He gets hurt in the ninth round and rallies and knocks Lalonde out in the same round. But he didn't look very good against the guy who was perceived to not be very dangerous. Of the three light heavyweight champions at the time, Lalonde was seen as the biggest gimme. He made mm-hmm. Lalonde cut an extra seven pounds off of his regular, you know, weight cut. So now he's fighting 168, but still has to put his title in the next division on the line. 
And it's a lot of things that are some of Ray's biggest detractors will cite are really evident in this fight. Okay. So are we ready to talk about the war now? Yes, we are. All right. Well, as I was starting to say, uh, on the day of the fight, Hearns' younger brother, Henry, was arrested for the shooting death of his girlfriend at a house Thomas owned in Detroit. Promoter Bob Arum went to the hotel Hearns was staying at to check on him and told the press, Tommy was angry at me for coming by and said to me, this is not going to affect me. Look, I'm here to do a job. I've been waiting eight years to knock this guy out. Any insight as to what in the hell that was all about? Um, you know, uh, apparently uh, Hearns' brother, Henry, had kind of had some some run-ins with the law before, and uh, there was a party being thrown at this house in Southfield, Michigan, that Tommy owned, that Henry was staying at and living at, and he had had some kind of friction with the girlfriend leading up to this, um, and then uh, they, they were all at some kind of party or whatever, something, words were said and exchanged, and Henry shot the girl, according to some eyewitnesses and police records, got charged with manslaughter. Um, on the morning of the fight, which was, you know, crazy because as soon as the story broke, everybody assumed the fight was going to be called off. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, Tommy's biggest concern is his mom because mm -hmm. his mom had flown into Vegas to be a part of, you know, the fight camp and everything. And when everything happened with his brother, he, you know, she was like, I need, I, yeah, I should go. And Henry needs me. And Tommy begged and pleaded with her. He's like, mom, I need you to stay here. I need you to be protected and insulated from this. There, there's going to be press all over. They're going to hound you. I don't want that to happen. So he convinces his mom to stay in Vegas, uh, probably for everyone's benefit, most especially hers. All right. And uh, yeah, eventually Henry's charged with and found guilty of second degree manslaughter. And uh, Tommy ends up having to pay like a, the rumor was like a half a million dollars in the civil suit to the parents of uh, the slain right. girlfriend. Wow. All right, well, we are finally here. Um, the war, as it's called, was contested on June 12, 1989 for both the, as we mentioned before, the WBC and WBO super middleweight titles. And let's talk about it, Pat. This is 12 rounds of just Tommy Hearns really putting a beating on Sugar Ray Leonard. And to his credit, to both of their credits, because Sugar Ray gets knocked down twice throughout the fight. Like, it's knocked down hard. Like, that second time he gets knocked down, Sugar Ray has got this deer-in-the-headlights look. And not everything lands, you know, the other side of this. Not everything lands that Tommy Hearns is throwing. But what does land hits hard. And Sugar Ray Leonard, a couple of times, if he's not knocked down, definitely gets battered about the ring. To Sugar Ray's credit, through a lot of the fight, he forced Tommy Hearns to miss. The problem, and, and I haven't necessarily looked at the CompuBox scores just yet, but I feel like, just having watched the fight today, that even the, that, that just on pure volume, Tommy Hearns landed more than Sugar Ray did. Um, but even so, the scores were 112 to 113, 113 to 112, and 112 to 112. And I have to ask you, Pat, I mean, I think, um, what's the note that I read here? Oh, uh, though Leonard did not score a knockdown over Hearns, he would have a big round five, winning the round 10-8 on all three judges' scorecards after dominating Hearns throughout the round. 
Leonard would also win the 12th and final round on all three scorecards as well, though Judge Shirley would give Leonard a 10-8 round as opposed to the other two judges who scored it 10-9. Had Shirley scored the round 10-9, Hearns would have been declared winner by split decision. And I have to ask you, what do you think about that, Pat? I think they botched this one. Yeah. Um, it's a fight I've watched a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I honestly, from from the first fight is much more technically sound in terms of these guys are in their prime. They're faster. They're mm-hmm. younger. They have more to offer. Hearns, arguably, is clubbing. Hearns is clubbing Sugar Ray in this one. Like, this was, you, you talk about the, <clears throat> the first one being more technically sound. Like Hearns is out for blood in this. Yeah. And and Ray fights very different in this fight than he did the first fight out, where mm-hmm. he's much more flat footed from the get go and trying to load up on power shots. And again, you know, he made Tommy miss a lot. Tommy made Ray miss a lot in this too, mm-hmm. with those upper body feints and quick movement shifts. Tommy was really zoned in for a lot of this fight. And in a lot of ways, it's one of, if not his best performance in, in a big fight, uh, how he fought here. Um, and, you know, again, you have bigger, heavier Ray than normal, bigger, heavier mm-hmm. Tommy than normal. But it's the way they choose to fight this fight is why it plays out the way it does with Hearns really doing a lot more in this than Ray did. Mm-hmm. Hearns Ray was looking for that Hearns one big Ray shot. No, Hearns gave Ray no space. If Ray doesn't fight off the back foot and make Tommy hits him, this is a much different fight. I mean, like, all the credit in the world to Sugar Ray Leonard, despite the – the uh being older and being a little heavier, he can still move in that ring. And it's the only reason why he gets out of this the way that he does is that he does move. I just, you know, we, we, we make the jokes about Canelo and the gift decisions against triple G. I, it, I don't like to be that guy, but there's no way he's not getting a gift decision here. There's no way they're not misjudging what they're seeing because it's sugar Ray. And how do you feel then if you're Tommy Hearns when you put a legitimate beating on Sugar Ray and you're not getting the credit for it? Yeah, it's, it's you know, at the end of the fight, you know, Tommy weathered the storm at the end of the fight because mm-hmm. Ray came on so strong in that 12th round. But again, an older, wiser Tommy knew how to deal with that versus the younger, more headstrong, less uh, experienced Tommy. Mm-hmm. He knows how to clinch in this fight. He knows how to get away and stay away. He, he knows how to avoid the the, the the finality of what Ray is looking to do. And, again, the scoring to me is so interesting because Tommy gets two 10-8 rounds by the virtue of a knockdown in the third and a knockdown in the 11th. Right. All three judges give Ray a 10-8 round in the fifth when I didn't see a justification for a 10-8. I know he hurt Tommy. But, you know, he didn't finish him. Tommy well, didn't I mean, go down. By that criteria, I mean, we should be throwing out 10-8s all the time. We and should have thrown out a couple in Leonard Hagler at that point. Yeah, those, <laughs> those should have been like 10-7 rounds. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the first, two, the first two rounds of Tommy Hearns, Marvin Hagler should have been 10-7 rounds. Yeah. If we're going to do uh, that. I mean, like, like the, Scott Kachowski. Hang on, Scott Kachowski years ago really struggled with MMA scoring and was like, why why are we doing a 10-point must system? And I don't, I don't necessarily want to litigate that debate on the 4-1 ground and pound radio show yet again. But it does it, it does bring into the light this idea of there's no universally accepted way of saying what is a 10-8, what is a 10-9, and what is a 10-10. All viable scoring. And because it's completely subjective, 
and what and what should be a more objective thing it is completely subjective and now you have three people who have three different criteria for the same kind of scoring and oh by the way they can just arbitrarily decide it's a 10 a because they like sugar ray more you know because there's a prejudice there and that's the frustrating thing about this is that i more so than i think any other fight that we've covered i feel like tommy hearns got robbed here like legitimately robbed yeah and, and again he he knocked the man down twice right didn't ever go down himself but one judge had an even number of 10 8 rounds between them that being dobby shirley who not only gave Ray a 10-8 round in the fifth, but mm-hmm. also in the 12th, which I think is even less justified. And that's agreed upon by the other two judges who only scored at 10-9. Uh, I believe it's Tommy Kazmarek and Jerry Roth, um, mm-hmm. two of the other two. But they each scored at 10-9 for Leonard. And Shirley gave a 10-8. And again, if he scores that 10-8 round 10-9, then Hearns is your winner by split decision at that point because of that point right. given to him. I don't see any justifiable scorecard where Ray wins this fight. I just don't. Even if even if you gave them like Shirley, even if you gave them two 10-8 rounds apiece, I still think in numerical rounds, Tommy had eight rounds to raise four. Yeah, for sure. It, it As much as I've enjoyed doing this series, it does frustrate me because so much of this is Sugar Ray Leonard getting unfair decisions, getting the, you know, getting preferential treatment. I mean, it's no. It, it is a wonder Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns didn't beat him in an alley. And then you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure the thought crossed their minds, and Duran basically made their first fight that. But mm-hmm. um, and it's funny too because once Aram got this fight negotiated, mm-hmm. two of the next moves he made, one is to sign on Roberto Duran to do the color commentary on the Spanish broadcast. Right. The other is to sign Marvin Hagler to do third man in the booth commentary for this fight on the American English broadcast from Tim Ryan and Gil Clancy. And Aram in his head is thinking, like, I have a full-fledged seniors tour ready to go, like the PGA. And uh, that's, you know, where Bob is thinking next ahead. But for this fight, you know, you're looking at it just trying to understand, you know, and again, it's not objective, it's subjective. Right. But the fighters have an objective that they're working towards. And in the majority of those rounds, it's just Hearns is dictating where the fight takes place in that ring. He's deciding when the fight takes place by being the aggressor and the initiator of the exchanges. He's more often than not finishing these exchanges. And really, again, from a technical standpoint, even though it's not as pretty as what he did in his prime, the lack of speed and everything. The know-how that he's applying with this pressure is beautiful to watch. And even though there weren't a lot of points for Ray in this fight, when Ray finds those opportunities, like in the fifth round, like Mm -hmm. in the 12th round, to drop the bomb on Tommy and hurt him and finds it, you know, through these great openings that he creates on Tommy's pressure, it's it's incredible to watch. Right. Now, was I so smitten with it that I threw away my judging for this fight entirely? Of course not. Again, I've kind of scored this fight the same every time I've watched it, and it's eight rounds Hearns, four rounds for Ray. And I even go so far as to give Ray a fifth, uh, fifth round 10-8 uh, just to try to you know avoid bias when I score it. Mm-hmm. But again, at Can, at, I, can yes. I ask you a question about that? I mean, is there really a justifiable 10-8 round without a knockdown? There's justifiable 10-8 rounds without knockdowns. I mean, there's times where you know a guy should have by all rights gone down. And vice versa. There's times where a guy gets knocked down, and it's very clearly a balance knockdown, you know, positioning based Mm -hmm. knockdown. 
and they're clearly not hurt or none the worse for wear versus, you know, a guy who maybe ate three solid combination, you know, three punch combination and all of a sudden is loopy and immediately falls backwards against the ropes right. and can't find his way. Which guy would you rather be? Well, I'd rather be the guy who got knocked down because at least he wasn't seriously hurt. So there's justifiable 10, eight rounds. It's, it's, really more based on visible damage than anything else. And that's the way it mm-hmm. should be. Um, because again, you know, control and playing it safe only gets you so far. It's not really entitling you to a 10, eight, 10, eight is really when you've made a devastating effort to end the fight. Right. Um, but again, I, th- I think, I think Ray definitely, you know, won the fifth round big. Mm-hmm. He hurt Tommy. I've seen worse rounds from guys that weren't scored 10, eight, but I, I give that just to avoid a bias in the scoring and try to, keep it closer but again uh you know eight to four without any point deductions of any kind becomes 116 to 112 you take a point off of tommy it becomes 115 to 112 you take two points off array it's 115 110 it's again it's not a very close fight right um and especially that the biggest knockdown in that fight was that 11th round where ray got dropped hard you know he's battered about battered about and then finally goes down and uh Larry Merchant on the HBO broadcast said, you know, that is a look I've never seen on the face of Sugar Ray Leonard before. Yeah, it's like I said that he had that deer in the headlights look like he he was pretty worse for wear. I just want to read this. Um, both fighters, however, accepted the decision with Leonard stating, I think we both showed we're champions. I accept the decision. Well, of course you did. You won. But Hearns, more importantly, declared, I respect their decision. I'm proud I had a draw. The judges could have ruled that I lost. So I'm thankful for what I have. Really, really a humbling and mature statement. I, 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 he had to have gone home though and be like, "Like I, the world, the game is rigged. The world's against me." I don't, I don't know how you, how you could not. Yeah, um, but I'll tell you. All I think, as much as I joke about like Roberto Duran knocked out a horse, which I personally love. I think my favorite guy out of all of this is Tommy Hearns. Because as much as I like Marvin Hagler, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Tommy Hearns, <clears throat> Tommy Hearns really, like, despite some struggles, will still go on to keep fighting and winning titles. He wins the WBA light heavyweight title against Virgil Hill on June 3rd, 1991. Promptly loses again to the bane of his existence, Iran Barkley, but doesn't stop there. He'll, you know, he'll play around with the NABF and the WBO titles. He wins a vacant IBO cruiserweight title against Nate Miller, promptly loses to Uriah Grant. Which he and broke then, his ankle in that fight, so there wasn't a lot he could do. Yeah, and then, you know, and was fighting as late as 2006. His very first fight, the very first fight, Pat, November 25th, 1977. His last recorded fight, according to the wiki, February 4th of 2006. That's crazy, man. <laughs> so, so all the respect in the world to Tommy Hearns for a hell of a career and it's not not an easy career, kind of an uphill battle, but I think he really did give it everything he had, and he did it with a grace and dignity seldom found in professional sports, let alone boxing. That's he my had final probably, word on Tommy Hearns. He had probably the best quote I've ever heard anybody say about their their respective uh, place mm-hmm. in history. Um, you know, because they were asking him, you know, you you're one of the greatest fighters of all time. You know, you just came up against you know, the two best fighters of your era who are unusually great to have both of them at the same time. They were like, you know, so what, what do you feel about being placed behind them or, you know, where you're placed? He goes, I'll be happy wherever they place me because they don't have to place me at all. Right. Just such humility. Like, can yeah. you think of, can you think in modern sports right now, 
anyone with that kind of humility. John Daly. Who? Oh God. <laughs> you would you would love John Daly personally, but what sport does he play? Golf. Oh, okay. Well, oh no, I didn't know a professional golfer. Sorry. Uh, this is not your everyday professional golfer. Guys, the next series will be on John Daly. <laughs> okay. The four kings of golf. Um, all right. So Sugar Ray, we have one more chapter left, and it's Sugar Ray Leonard versus Roberto Duran three. And we'll talk about how they get there. But uh, in the meantime, um, well, that is the next fight that uh, Sugar Ray is going to have. And that's going to be uh, later in the year of 1989, the year of our Lord, uh, for the WBC Super Middleweight title. So uh, we will be doing that. Let's see here. We will be doing Chapter 11 on June 13th, a Monday, June 13th at 9 o'clock. Uh, hopefully we'll live this. This one didn't live stream tonight for a variety of reasons. Hopefully we'll live stream the last one. And we'll have our epilogue. And that'll be the end of the Four Kings of Boxing series. However... We will keep doing these uh, history of boxing podcasts. We're going to start just looking at individual fights or series of fights. Uh, hopefully, we'll do one a month because I, I I refuse to I refuse to quit you, Pat. You're not giving me <laughs> much of a choice. So at least once a month, I'm going to drag Pat, and we're going to talk about a fight and the history of said fight. So, uh, in the meantime, what else are you doing these days? Do I have you on anything else? No, no. You just don't feel like podcasting these days. There, uh, well, you're a fairly busy guy, and you do a lot of shows with adults who watch cartoons and stuff. So, <laughs> well, I am cutting back, but I, but I, I, despite the fact that I'm cutting back, there's always room for Pat Mullen. However, Pat Mullen will be on a damn you Hollywood in August for Samaritan, the new uh, Sylvester Stallone oh. movie. And we said we talked about this last year. <clears throat> it's been on my calendar for over a year now. Pat's going to be on an on trial for They Live. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, They Live, November. <clears throat> November my, uh, even though I'm cutting back and I'm cutting out Thursday podcast, I'm making a special Thursday night podcast, November 3rd, just for Pat, just for They Live. Well, now I need everybody to watch because They Live is, you know, well, you'll you'll hear me defend uh, on the stand, uh, <clears throat> point of parliamentary procedure, habeas yes. corpus. <laughs> yes. Um, in the meantime, uh, this past week, we, I had my wife and David Wright on to review Downton Abbey 2, A New Era. I had David Wright oh, on. Oh, no. You know what? Uh, what do you call it? Uh, I thought, you know, you, you host Tripped Up. Well, you don't host, but you you feature Tripped Up Trivia mm -hmm. as one of your shows. Yes. And and all the guys are down for a wrestling rematch. <laughs> okay. So we would love a date for that, too. Okay. I mean, WrestleMania will be, I mean, you know what? I mean, I don't think they have one for August yet. And August is SummerSlam. Well, you know, I think we should do this like four times a year, like the big four pay-per-views. But there you, know, you go. Talk, talk to Jesse. That's his. That's his deal. Um, so I had my wife and David Wright on to do Downton Abbey too, a new era. I had David Wright on to do Top Gun. Uh, Pat and I, a couple of years ago, when I was in the hospital getting cancer treatment, we did. I took time out for my cancer treatment so that he and I could talk Iron Eagle. So that's up in the archives. And you're feeling just fine now, aren't you? I, the Iron Eagle cured my cancer. That's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, tomorrow, speaking of uh, things that cure cancer, uh, did you ever read the comic book DMZ, Pat? The DC yeah. comic DMZ? All right. Well, apparently they adapted, like they do many comics, uh, a, that into a television show on HBO Max. So uh, we will be reviewing that. It'll be myself, Al Sedano, and Christian of the 
um, Cosmic Treadmill and X Laps and all those podcasts that he does. So check that out. Uh, and then there'll be the Tripped Up Trivia that was recorded this past week. It'll be airing the on the 29th. Um, it'll be sci-fi, year two of the sci-fi trivia. And then it, we will have some new uh, new shows this week, but it's also Terminator week. So we have a, a lot of old Terminator stuff that we've had uh, from years past. We'll be re-airing it this week. We have our re- cameo Hollywood for Terminator Genesis, The Long Road to Ruin for the first three Terminator movies. I was going to ask, did I, do, did, I do an, did I do a defense uh, argument for Genesis? You might have. I'd have to look again. <laughs> um, we, I like it, we, damn it. On my birthday, there'll be an Everyone Loves a Bad Guy for the, I think the very first Everyone Loves a Bad Guy that, that was ever done. I was on it and I talked Terminator with Robert. And then he did a part two like years later. Um, and then uh, we've also got on Monday at 11 o'clock, myself and Harry Broadhurst will be talking the best of the collective. We'll be wrapping up those shows. Um, it's Pride Month. Shut up, Pat. Uh, here in the month of June. So myself and Sean Comer will be doing a set of three shows celebrating the good, the bad, and the ugly of queer cinema, starting with the ugly. So we'll be reviewing Stonewall by Roland Emmerich, Basic Instinct, and But I'm a Cheerleader, which is fun. Not Top Gun? And then uh, the day before my birthday, first we'll be doing a review of AEW Double or Nothing. Tell me those guys weren't in love. And then in the evening, we'll be reviewing Jeff Leopard, um, Diamond Star Halos. On my birthday, what better way to spend my birthday, Pat, than talking David Simon? So myself and the two wise men, Jesse Starcher and Robert Winfrey, will be reviewing We Own This City, currently on HBO. And then finally... Oh, shoot. Is that the John Bernthal uh, series? Yeah, and he's fucking amazing in it. He's, he's really, awesome. really good. John Bernthal is just, just the shit these days. You should listen to uh, his podcast with his uncle Kurt Angle. Is that really his? His, his he uncle? is married to the daughter of Kurt Angle's brother Mark. Okay, so he's so he's they're related by marriage. Then he is his uncle. Fair enough. All right, Pat. Um, what's what's going on with your wrestling podcast? You you mentioned doing something with Gavin, and then I haven't heard of it. So we're waiting on the music for the show to be finished because we got a uh, first version of it back that Gavin was not too plaused with. Uh, so the show is going to be called Best Bout Machine, where essentially we are going to take a wrestler or an event or a type of match, and we're each going to make our arguments as to what we think is a particular performer's best bout or the best bout using this stipulation or the best bout from this event, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we're going to hope that it launches within the next month and a half to two months, uh, just once we get the music worked out, the schedule worked out, uh, Making sure Gavin has internet and doesn't have to steal it from a Wendy's parking lot. Um, and his iPhone is charged. I you know, swear to God, it took less effort to get the Declaration of Independence passed than the two of you to get a podcast off the ground. That's about right. Okay. All right. For Pat Mullen, I'm Mark Radlitz. This has been the Four Kings of Boxing. Be well, be safe, and behave.